Hello. Hi. What's up? And welcome. It's Book Squad Goals. And guess what, guys? Uh, we are now living with a new president-elect, and it's very exciting. Just wanted to throw that out there. Um, yay. Democracy. Anyway, uh, today we are talking about Lovecraft Country on HBO, the show that is based on a book that is based on other books, sort of. Uh, (laughs) For our intro question, uh, I'm going to ask a question uh, related to the show, which is, um, say your life, or, you know, you were part of a TV show and you're a character on this TV show. What subgenre of horror or science fiction, or fantasy, I guess, or whatever, you know, subgenre of genre fiction, <laughs> would your standalone episode be? Well, mine would be a haunted house. This is Emily. We all know this. Yeah. That's it. Haunted house or haunted ride? <laughs> the haunted, haunted mansion. House. Yeah, no. It's, it, I mean, it would be a straight up haunted house because, yeah, I just think... I'm really into ghosts, and I think haunted houses are scary, and that's probably the direction I'd go in. Now, is that my favorite episode? No. But (laughs) it is the episode that most resembles what my life is like. I'll say my episode would probably be some kind of body horror, like insane asylum episode i wouldn't like it like i wouldn't want to be there but i think it would be fitting okay it's like the type of stuff that scares me the most yeah susan i don't know if this is actually like a real subgenre or not but it doesn't matter um the only thing that came to mind for me for some reason, and I think it's because I've been wanting to watch this lately, is Kill Bill. So, like, assassin oh, sci-fi. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Talking big, bloody Lucy Lou battles and things like that. Yeah. Assassin sci-fi makes me think of Cowboy Bebop also. I don't know if you've watched oh, yeah. that. But mine, I thought would probably be, like, exorcism, um, because that really scares me. That's, like, the scariest shit to me, like, losing control of your body and uh, being possessed. Um, And also, I always think of, like, being possessed as a really good kind of metaphor for, like, anxiety uh, in general, because you feel like there's something in you that's making you, like, lash out, sort of, um, or react in ways that you wouldn't want to or you feel like you have no control over. So that would be mine. And again, would I enjoy it? No. Why are we all deciding to torture ourselves in our episodes? Except for Susan, mm-hmm. who is going to have a great time uh, <laughs> in her assassin. I mean, episode. I'm also going to have a great time, so... <laughs> It just not. won't be your favorite episode. I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, normally Haunted Houses are my favorite. Okay. It's still a great episode, anyway. You just mean specifically we'll of this show, that that wasn't yes. your favorite. Okay. Yes. Um, so, that's that, folks. Thanks for listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, 
spoiler warning, we are going to spoil this show, and by extension, the book probably, even though... Emily, are you the only one who read the book? Or did Mary read it? I read half of it. Okay. Um, I read a little bit. Okay, (laughs) so we'll be talking about the book, too. Um, So just, you know, if you don't want to be spoiled, maybe come back to this later. Um... (laughs) Otherwise, we are going to carry on. Also, I'll just issue a content warning. Uh, this show has a lot of disturbing stuff in it, including rape, sexual assault, you know, racist hate crimes. Um, we will be discussing all of these things. So if that kind of stuff makes you uncomfortable, also maybe skip this one. Um, so I was looking for summaries of this show, and like every single summary I found was like two sentences long. Um, so I had to cobble together a summary from Wikipedia of the show, and then I took the Goodreads description of the book. Um, And it still doesn't really cover it, but I'm going to go ahead and read them. Nice work. Okay. Proud of you. (laughs) Proud of you, girl. Uh, I tried. Okay. From Wikipedia. Lovecraft Country is an American horror drama television series developed by Misha Green, based on and serving as a continuation of the 2016 novel of the same name by Matt Ruff. The series is about a young black man who travels across the segregated 1950s United States in search of his missing father, learning of dark secrets plaguing a town on which the famous horror writer H.P. Lovecraft supposedly based the location of many of his fictional tales. That's the first episode, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, it keeps going. Then from Goodreads, um, Chicago, 1954, when his father Montrose goes missing, 22-year-old army veteran Atticus Turner embarks on a road trip to New England to find him, accompanied by his uncle George, publisher of The Safe Negro Travel Guide, and his childhood friend Letitia. Um, On their journey to the manor of Mr. Braithwaite, heir to the estate that owned Atticus's great-grandmother, they encounter both mundane terrors of white America and malevolent spirits that seem straight out of the weird tales George devours. At the manor, Atticus discovers his father in chains held prisoner by a secret cabal named the Order of the Ancient Dawn, led by Samuel Braithwaite, which has gathered to orchestrate a ritual that shockingly centers on Atticus, and his one hope of salvation may be the seed of his and the whole Turner clan's destruction. A chimerical blend of magic, power, hope, and freedom that stretches across time, touching diverse members of one black family, Lovecraft Country is a devastating kaleidoscopic portrait of racism, the terrifying specter that continues to haunt us today. So that's kind of like the first two episodes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So this show, I mean, here's a question. How, like, where does the book end in the show? Like, how far does the book go? Plot-wise. Well, I haven't totally finished it. Okay. So, um, I was going to finish it, but I got a kitten. Yes. <laughs> um, and that kind of has sucked up all my time this week. Because <laughs> uh, he's very needy. So, yeah. I'm going to blame that. I got really far. But I'm not quite done. So, we might need to look that up. I can look it up really fast and pretend like I knew it all along. No, it's fine. I was just wondering, Um, but that's cool. Uh, Anyway, basically, that kind of carries us through the second episode, and then um, George dies at the manor, Um, Mm -hmm. and then we kind of deal with the fallout of that, and then the fallout of everything else that happens at the manor, Um, and then, like, the continuation where Christina Braithwaite 
survives and tries to uh, continue her father's plan for immortality, but for herself. Um, so, yeah, but there's a lot of stuff going on and a lot of characters who each get their own sort of, not not all of them get their own episodes, but a lot of the characters get their own episodes. Um, so, yeah, um, I guess the most obvious place to start is just talking about Lovecraft um, and mm. race. Mm. So this is going to be Mary's specialty topic. Um, <laughs> a soapbox. Yes. So whether or not we've read the work of H.P. Lovecraft, which I haven't, so I'm just going to put that out there, Kelly speaking, have not read any H.P. Lovecraft. Um, however, most of us know by now that he is notoriously racist, a fact which is evidently f- reflected in his work, which again, I have not read, uh, and is well documented outside of it as well in many bigoted things that he has said and have been published and written. Um, this series, along with the book it's based on, aims to flip the script, exploring Lovecraft's stories and themes through the lens of the same people he took such pleasure in marginalizing. Um, historically, black people have been pushed to the side in every genre this show is playing with, from horror to science fiction to Indiana Jones-style adventure. So I thought we could talk about the specific ways this show is subverting Lovecraft's stories and conventions of genre fiction as a whole, and I think... Mary, it would be great if you could talk a little bit more about Lovecraft and his notorious racism. Also, just a disclaimer for this entire episode, we are for white women. So keep that in mind. (laughs) Uh, Well, H.P. H.P. Lovecraft was a white man. White man. Um, He (laughs) was kind of a weird dude, like in general, and sort of like the nutshell version of his life story is... He was a mama's boy from Providence. Mm-hmm. He got married to a Jewish woman, even though he was horribly racist and anti-Semitic. And he was living with her in New York. And he would say things to her like, gosh, I hate those Jews, but not you. You're different. <laughs> Sounds and she lovely. started working uh, more and more, like traveling for work. And eventually she was just like, Look, dude, we gotta get divorced. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, they never actually got divorced. He told her they were gonna get divorced, and then he never signed the paper. Wow. <laughs> um, nice and he just like moved back home and lived there for the rest of his life. But um, he was super racist, and the way it showed in his writing is every single one of his stories that I've ever read, and a lot of them in general, have kind of the same plot of somebody, a white person, sees something that they shouldn't have. Sometimes it's like an eldritch horror. Sometimes it's non-Euclidean geometry. <laughs> uh <laughs> But they see something they the shouldn't horror. have, and then they go they go crazy and like uh, and become like insane. Uh, and the way a lot of the racism that I've seen in his stories uh, manifests is like you know quote race mi- mixing of like these fantastic creatures and then humans. Like, big xenophobia energy, big, like, 
the capital o other foreigners coming in and messing up there's a lot of too of just like non-white people doing like their weird mystical stuff that the white people can't understand but it's like definitely evil yes so that's a problem that's that's where lovecraft is coming from and that's why it's so delightful um, to see like a Lovecraft inspired story with black protagonists because it's everything he hated <laughs> sort of telling telling um, stories inspired by his works. It's not unlike uh, what and I don't remember who said it when we were talking about Hamilton, you know, like it's the you know, the black and brown people who were sort of cast out of this nation building originally are now telling the story of the founding fathers. Similarly, um, you know, we have black protagonists sort of inhabiting the type of world created by H.P. H.P. Lovecraft, who is kind of like the grandfather of a certain type of science fiction and really influential. However... The guy who wrote the book is white. I know. I I realized that as I was uh, researching today, and I was surprised to learn that. Me too. I mean, like, the show creators are not white, but the author of the book is. I mean, I'm not going to hold that against him, I guess, but, like, it's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, I don't think, like, from what I read of it, I read about half of it, I wasn't like, mm, I can just really tell some stuff about it. Like, it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. I, I agree. I don't think that, um, it's never like, oh, I, I can tell a white man is writing this, you know, anymore yeah. than, like, I mean... I'm going to be totally honest and say, like, a lot of times when I'm reading books written by men, I'm just like, oh, I can tell a man's writing this. There's a little (laughs) bit of that happening. (laughs) But, I mean, that's just because I'm tired of listening to men in general. So, can't hold that against him, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Also, like, especially when you're reading... Like a man writing from a the perspective of a woman, it's often yes, um, it's often bad, yeah, yeah, or just obvious. But uh, yeah, that it's it is interesting though that that it was written by a white guy because it's really like the story is completely centered on black people. There's like mm-hmm. a couple of white characters, but they're the villains. Yeah, <laughs> they're definitely evil. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah, there's not really any, like, white character that's, like, good in this. Yeah. Like, in the show, I think they, and I don't know how much it gets into this in the book, but in the show, I think they play a little bit with Christina in trying to show us that maybe she's not all bad, but then she is at the end, because uh, ultimately... Uh, in that way that white women do, she decides to put herself above uh, everything and everyone else. Um, yeah. And I really want to talk about that for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so 
what else, like, do you guys have anything else to say about uh, Lovecraft specifically or, like, the genres that the show is is playing with and the way that it's subverting those? Mm. I thought it was particularly interesting in the, like, the Indiana Jones episode, uh, which is mm. what we're calling it, though it's kind of, it's like the adventure story episode, I guess. But um, those movies are very racist <laughs> yeah and i i i think there's still like i i'm curious with that episode we do get a um a native american character yeah briefly um and i'm wondering how you guys feel about the treatment of that character because um it's bad non non they're a non-binary Native American character, and um, I, I could see why that character might be an issue for some people. Yeah, um, I was actually reading, um, I have a couple, like, I, I read recaps from two different sites, from Vulture and AV Club, and the Vulture recap of that episode specifically by um, Stefan Triplett. Uh, he wrote all the recaps for Vulture, and then uh, Joelle Monique wrote all the recaps for AV Club, and they were both very interesting, different perspectives um, of the show. So if anyone is interested, I highly recommend you check them out. Um, I would say, like, Triplet is a little less enthusiastic about the show, and uh, Joelle Monique is, like, pretty high on the show, so it's, like, very different Um Viewpoints, but I think both of them, but particularly Stefan Triplett, talked about um, that episode and how kind of like triggering it was and upsetting, um, particularly because this intersex character is introduced and then at the end of the episode is like murdered immediately, immediately by one of the people that we're supposed to be rooting for, I guess. Um, Right. Before, like, before his redemption arc is really, you know, at its full peak or anything, it's kind of, we're still figuring out how to feel about him. Montrose is the character, which is Tick's father. Um, Well, not really, but maybe. Uh, (laughs) But um, he, he kills her, or them. They refer to this character as her throughout the episode, um, but... But that seems like... In a, a place of ignorance because also I mean at one point Montrose Montrose asks what are you yeah which is also like I mean we could say like well you know they were a skeleton and then they became a person so maybe that's what he's referring yeah. to but also like they're naked and it seems like are referring to like are you a man or a woman right well and they they visibly have like both sets of genitalia, right? Um, Which is also problematic to like pr- to introduce this character and like immediately show right genitalia yeah. because you know with non-binary with intersex people um, with anybody who's sort of gender fluid, it's almost there's always this question from people about like well, what do their genitals look like, which is like really right, which is not <laughs> yeah the um, point right yeah. That that was the only like as far as like race representation and um, gender representation. That was the only character that I really had a problem with. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I also just feel like as a white cisgender woman, I don't I can't really like properly articulate what like why that's bad except just to be like, well that seems bad. Yeah. <laughs> well and it well and in um triplets uh recap of that episode, he was talking about how um about Disclosure, the documentary uh, that came out recently, which I wrote a blog post about and, and mentioned that it's about um, trans lives on screen. And a lot of that movie talks about um, the way that trans people are routinely murdered in film, mm-hmm. on film. Um, and it's just, like, perpetuating that thing that keeps happening. And it's weird in a show that seems to be so focused and intent on subverting other things and, you know, kind of, like, doing the work to repair a lot of damage that's been done to, like, actually continue um, yeah. that. And, and you know, at the expense of a non-binary character in order to, you know, progress the story of the cis characters. And it's never revisited. No. Like, they just never talk about it again. Well, to be fair, in the following episode, Letty seems to be pretty haunted by what happened. Um, yeah. She There's one point when she tells Tick that she's praying for that character, um, and she's, like, clearly very upset. Uh but we never like there's never any reckoning for Montrose over that. Like no one tell like no one says to him, like, that was <laughs> like why would you You did a bad thing? Yeah, like it's kinda I guess like, oh well this technically this was a spirit and so but it's like I don't know. It's it's tricky ground for sure. Um But I did think that that episode in general was interesting because it is I can't really think of off the top of my head of like an adventure movie in that vein starring like black characters, you know? Um Yeah, for sure. So I did enjoy that episode up until that point, at which point I was like, oh <laughs> uh not great. So yeah, I mean I think like just in general when we talk about horror and we talk about when you think of when in Scream when they're talking about like the rules of horror movies and how like the black character always has to die at some point usually early and you know we kind of have Letty as like and and Dee really as like final girls in these stories um Mm -hmm. you know black women who are surviving until the end uh which is exciting and different to see so this show is structured in a pretty interesting way i think um because i'm used to either seeing like like a mini series where like maybe each episode is a totally different story and they don't all connect to each other or maybe we have like a each season is a different story but these episodes are all kind of different stories or different like ideas of a genre or something, but they all still connect to the same story, um, which is super interesting. And I think there's so much to talk about when it comes to the way the show is structured, because it's kind of like a bunch of mini movies. Um, But I have like a bunch of different just general questions about structure that we can like cover however you guys 
want to. But as a starting off point, like, how does this work for you? These, like, small mini movies as a whole, I guess, like, coming together as a whole. I really loved it. I mean, I think I've been pretty vocal about, like, I really love this show. Um, And that was one aspect of it that I thought was really cool because, I don't know, like, maybe I'm just easily bored right now or something. But, like, it's very hard in in these times, in these unprecedented times. To uh, sit down and just, like, watch an hour-long drama show and, like, like be engaged in it and not, like, think about what else is going on in the world. And I think one of the things that really worked to keep me engaged with the show was, like, every single time I sat down to watch it, I was like, I have no idea what this episode is going to be like. <laughs> I never watched the previews ahead of time. I would just, like, sit down and watch it and be like, where are we going? You know? So, yeah. like... Mm-hmm. Especially, like, watching the first episode, not knowing what the structure of the show was going to be. You kind of watch the first episode and think, like, okay, so this is, like, a road trip show or something. And then, like, monsters come and you're like, oh, we're just going to go there right away. And, like, it's it's really fast-paced. And by the time I got to the end of that episode, I was like, how are they going to have enough stuff to do for, like, a whole season? Yeah. Because yeah. that was the story, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, I had a similar reaction after, like, the second episode when all of a sudden they were just back in Chicago, like, buying real estate. And I was like, yeah. wait, what? Are we not going to be <laughs> in Massachusetts, like, this entire time? And the, the are we not going to talk about the monsters? <laughs> yeah. And the book is kind of structured like that, too, where you have these sections that kind of deal with different character stories. Um, and they're all tied together, but I don't know. Like, it's not... With the book, it's not the same because, like, it's not like you're you're not getting, like, an entirely different feel like you are with these episodes. Like, I don't know how you would do that. Um, but, yeah, like, every episode just, like, felt different. It was, like, really fun, I thought. Yeah, because they're also playing with, like, conventions of, of cinema and yeah. tone yeah. in cinema. Uh, and I don't, like, if you tried to do that in a book with, like, conventions of different types of novels and tone it was like not i don't think that would work very well as well yeah know. it's just so diff. it's such a different experience because in movies we have so many cues that tell us oh this is what type of movie that is whether it's yes. like music or lighting lighting or, yeah. yeah um and in fiction it's like if you have a different if you're like, how do you define what a certain type of book is like, other than the way the story is, you know? I think the structure both did and didn't work for me. I almost feel like it wasn't standalone enough for me sometimes. So, like, the first two episodes feel connected, and then the last episode is kind of everyone together. But a lot of episodes are just like feature episodes. Like this is the episode about Ruby. This is the episode about Gia. This is the episode about Letitia, right? Like, and I liked that. Like I was always enjoying getting to like see the world from these different characters' perspectives. But every time we would have one of those episodes and it'd be like, well, here's what's Tick doing. I'd be like, I don't care. Yeah, I I do kind of feel like occasionally you'd get 
the little interludes in these episodes that we're checking up on the characters that we know are there, and it did feel a little bit like this doesn't feel like part of the same episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I also just, and this was, this isn't a fault of the show because I really like the show. I think it's doing a lot of cool things, but like some of the characters I just started disliking and I couldn't get back on track with them. Yeah, we can talk about that one because I want to talk yeah. about characters in general and kind of like, uh, go through them a little bit one by one. But yeah, I think, um, I think this structure, like, sometimes really worked for me, but then other times, like, there were, and this is maybe just, maybe I just don't like that type of story that they're going for, but, like, for me, like, the first episode was so, so great. Like, I loved it. I was like, this is awesome. And then the second episode, I was left feeling like, I really didn't like that. (laughs) And I, I don't know, I can't really even say why other than it felt like so, it felt like for me the tone was all over the place and then it felt Mm. really, like the plot was really convoluted and it was so, because we're doing mini episodes where we kind of have like a story that's contained like it was just so much all at once where I felt like the first episode it was like, oh, we're finding out like small things as we go we're learning about the characters then we have a big event where like the second episode was like plot dump plot dump like weird like i don't even know like visions of things that aren't actually happening and then more plot dump and then climax and i was like it just didn't work for me and i was super disappointed in that episode and i was like oh man but then it was like oh good that episode is over <laughs> and now I can, I can go to the next one and probably like it a lot more. So it was like, I think when you do have such like differences between the episodes, it can also kind of backfire in that I can be like, oh, well, I did not like this episode or this episode. Um, and that kind of detracts from the whole in a way, but then there are some episodes that I think are so, so brilliant and amazing. So it's hard to, like, sometimes, in a way, it's hard to think about the show as a whole and how I feel about it as a whole because it's, like, did I love this or did I think it was good? Or it's, it's like, hard to – I'm still thinking about it. I do think that, that that episode is one that I definitely am eager to revisit now that I know that um, William and Christina are the same person. Yeah. <laughs> well, my question is, like, what – so – were they the same person during that episode, too? Yes. Because, like, William dies at some point, but I guess before we are there ever is when yeah. he dies. Um, yeah. These fucking Malfoy-ass people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was that's, like, Lucius, is what that they you? they reminded me of, and I just didn't know until now. <laughs> Kelly, to echo what you said about the episodes being so different and how that affected your liking of them. Like there, I was telling Emily this earlier. It was like, once I got to like the fifth episode, there were like three or four in a row that I loved and thought were great. Yeah. And maybe these are, I guess they're probably the same ones Mary's talking about. Cause they're like really focused on one person. Um, yeah. Cause I had the same, like after the second episode, I was really confused and I was like, okay, I'm going to like look at the Wikipedia summary for that, just that episode and make sure I understood mm-hmm what just happened yeah and that's when i was like oh we're not even gonna 
be here anymore, so <laughs> whatever. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but it, I had to, like, reground myself a little bit because I thought it was all going to be like the first one was. And yeah, it wasn't. It was never like that again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, that's that's kind of my other question or one of my other structure questions is, like, what is this plot going on with, like, what the fuck is happening? Like, I know what, ha- like, I, I went through and, like, reread and, like, I understand what happened. But, like, also, like, how much does that plot line about the Sons of Adam and Titus and Samuel Braithwaite and and whatever the, the scientist in the haunted house, like, how much does this this stuff about these white people actually matter because it's like kind of the, the backbone plot of the show where, you know, we're leading to this Mm -hmm. eventual climax where Atticus's blood is going to be used for this ritual. But all of the intricacies of this plot, like if I, if I didn't understand it at all, would that even matter? (laughs) Like, would that really affect my enjoyment of the show? Well, I guess it depends on, I mean, I don't think that it's that complicated. I think what what is happening is, you know, kind of like the same thing that's happening in real life. If we look at racism and white people, we have black people who are just trying to live their fucking lives and like not get fucked with every day. And we have these white people who think the only way that they can have power is by taking it from black people. Yeah. Um, and the, there's this constant struggle for white people to, and like in, in this, it becomes actual magic where these white people like want magic. And the thing that I want to talk about with Christina, because like, I just can't fathom this at all. Like Christina wants to be immortal. And yeah. in my mind, I'm like, why the fuck would you ever <laughs> want to <Yeah>. be immortal? <laughs> it's like, the ultimate show that. of power. Yeah. But yeah, that's what it is. It's like all a show of power. It's all about asserting their power and proving to themselves that like they are superior. Meanwhile, like all these black people that we're following don't give a fuck about being superior to white people. They just want to be treated like everybody else. And like stay alive. <laughs> yeah. Like literally. And I mean, just- like that's that's the same it's just the same thing that's happening with white supremacists in real life, where yeah. it's like white supremacists think that black people or like any people of color, like, are somehow going to take their power away if they are treated as equals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean That part is not confusing to me. What's confusing to me is, okay, there's a group of people who are, who have magic and they have a spell book, but then this woman who gets pregnant by one of the dudes steals the spell book, sets the place on fire, but then some of the pages are missing. Where are the pages? Who's the scientist? How did he get the planetarium thing? Like, (laughs) there's like so many. Yeah, it's the, it's the little intricacies of the, of the magic. Yeah, that's the that, stuff that that, that I'm talking about. To to be fair, to be fair, if we're going back to old HP, <laughs> yes, he he didn't ever really explain magic either. Yeah, <laughs> it's just kind of like oh, you know, magic. <laughs> I think like what I'm trying to say is like, I, it's kind of like how I feel about a lot of magic is yeah. like. 
especially in things like that, is like the intricacies don't matter. That's not what this is about. Like this isn't a story about the magic and how the magic works. This isn't like a story about world building magic. Right. So that's what I'm asking. Kelly's question, right? It's about what it symbolizes. Does that matter? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, that's what I was saying. Yeah. yeah. So, no. <laughs> so, the answer is no. It doesn't matter. It's, a, it's about pa- – it's about – the magic symbolizes power. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I guess – It's about what I, it symbolizes. I tend to get hung up on if, – if any rules or, like, plot points are presented to me, even if it's in a vague way, I'm like, wait, pause. I, have, I rewind it. I'm like, what did they say? Like, that must be important. I have to remember that for later. Some big Virgo energy. (laughs) I know. It's like, no, I felt like that too, especially with the. I I was thinking I was going to really need to understand more about the book of names and like exactly what was happening with it and how it got to where it was and why she shouldn't open it and and everything like that. But really, I did not need to know that. And why they have to go to the museum because that's where the pages are and like the kind of. The, like, mechanics that get us from point A to point B that, you're right, Emily, don't actually matter. Because by the time you get to the finale, it's like, this show is about these characters and their relationships with each other and, like, the overall experience of, of, like, being Black in America and, you know, how these tropes can reflect that experience. And it's not, like, these things don't matter. So I... I don't know if it's a problem of me just, like, clinging to any, like, plot points that I – that are presented to me. Because I don't know if, like, I would be less confused if they didn't go in – if they didn't get as specific as they did, you know? Because they – I'm almost, like, I wanted less specificity from, like, the big bads being, like, oh, we're going to watch this scene of Christina with this cop discussing who's going to get what – immortality and and like do I need that you know um and I think that would be like my main because this is making me sound like I didn't like the show which is not at all true like I actually loved it but this is my one kind of like point of contention where I feel like there was this other undercurrent of of a plot that had like a little too much time given to it that made me feel like I needed to understand it, even though I didn't really need to understand it. But that would be my only real criticism. Um, my final, like, structure-related question is, um, how did you guys feel about, like, the way that the story worked in these major historical events, particularly um, the murder of Emmett Till um, and the way that they worked him in as, like, a friend to... D and uh and then also we have a lot of kind of like sound bites throughout the episodes of like like there's a James Baldwin um like a section of a debate that he was participating in in the first episode and then there's an interview with Judy Garland that plays over some of the action in the GIA episode um how did you guys feel about that stuff I really loved liked it. that but I in general yeah, like historical fiction as a as a genre so yeah. I like seeing how i thought the the speeches that they like all the um tracks of like any like speeches or people talking or like spoken poetry spoken word like all of that worked really well for me and was like very like um 
um, like emotionally effective. Yeah. Like I, I, I was really impressed by the way they were able to um, thematically pull things in together where it's like, you didn't really need to like, for instance, just like, I, I think about, you know, that um, episode that you hated <laughs> <laughs> when, it, when, you know, you've got like Whitey's on the moon right. over like, you know, Atticus's like this attempted ritual. sacrifice or whatever. Yeah. Um, it just really worked. And I like, nobody really needed to explain why, like you under, like you yeah. listen to like what is being said and you understand. Yeah. Um, and I just thought that was like really artfully done. And that seems like something that would be difficult to do well once, let alone like multiple times throughout the show. Yeah. And I, I agree, like, despite my overall feelings about that episode, I do agree that that part was really successful. Just, like, the entire last, like, ten minutes of that episode where – and then, like, with George's death, like, are really just, like, heartbreaking. And um, – Yeah. And George doesn't die in the book, so it was really unnecessary. Yeah, why? Why like, did they have to kill him? He was so, like – I enjoyed him so much. In episode one, we were watching, and Ben was like, George is going to die. And I was like, he's not going to die. Like, he's going to be fine. And then, like, in episode two, he dies. And Ben was like, I knew George was going to die. But yeah. he's, like, just so delightful, and it's just really sad. I know. More George. That's my only gripe about the show is he didn't die in the book, so y'all just decided to add I guess, that. like, so in the book, <laughs> is George actually Tick's dad or no? Um... Or do they like do That's that a at good all? Good question. Because I think maybe yeah. the old, like the main reason that they killed him was because they wanted to create that tension between Tick and Montrose, and the fact that yeah, George being his dad and him not realizing it until after he died is more affecting, I guess. Uh, or like just more melancholy because. That, like, regret that just is kind of, like, strung through that entire family story. <laughs> just so much regret. Yes. The Emmett Till episode in particular, I wanted to talk about, um, like, how they worked that in. And like you said, he's a friend of D's. But what's so mm-hmm. – so Emmett Till was murdered in Mississippi – I'm sure everyone knows this. But Emmett Till was murdered in Mississippi and then his body was brought back to Chicago for the funeral. And it was open casket um, at his mother's request so that everyone could see how he was brutalized. And, like, while I don't focus on that, like, talking about, like, the smell and mm-hmm. and stuff like that was, like, really – I don't know. This is, like, one of the more, like, gruesome depictions of this that I've seen. And I feel like it's something that gets, you know, um, like, covered a lot. Um but the most interesting part of this episode is how, like, Christina says she basically doesn't care. She's aware that this happened, but she tells Ruby that, like, it doesn't really bother her personally. Um, but then she gets, like, brutalized in the exact same way that Emmett Till was. And it it's gross. Like, it looks horrible. But – and, you know, she – pops right back up because she's magic and everything but it's also like 
I don't know. There's something about just her being white and escaping that because this would never happen to her. Period. Yeah. Um, that really, Well, she had to, like, pay people to do it to her. (laughs) Like, people aren't going to just do that to her. Right. Because. And it looks, like, very painful and stuff. I don't know if she actually hurts or not, but it seems like she does. (laughs) Does she feel pain? (laughs) It looks like she's in pain. But, like, I don't know. In a way, like, watching that just made me think of, I don't know, like, when when stuff like that happens to a white woman, especially, um, that's, like, in real life. Mm-hmm. Those are always, like, the murders that are covered, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, we've, we've never have to, like, look Emmett Till in the face, even though, like, that's why his mom did that, you know? Like, here it yeah. is. Um, I don't really know where I'm going with this. I just thought that was really, like, that just really got to me. Um, yeah. Like, watching it happen to Christina and then her just popping back up because she's white, she's fine. Christina did that at the end of that episode? I don't, I don't know. I thought it was, she was, like, testing out her invulnerability. Yeah. But I don't know. So was it her just being, like, a fucking sicko and being like, I'm going to test out my invulnerability by doing this thing that I know That's is That's what, like, I couldn't upsetting. figure out. I was like, is she doing this, like, I couldn't figure out, is she doing this because she, like, wants to care or is she doing this because, like, she gives no fucks? Like, yeah. but that was, like, often, often my question with Christina throughout Why? was, like, does she care at all yeah. about anything? Yeah, because at times it seems like especially with Ruby. (laughs) Well, that's what I thought. I read that as that she was trying to care because of the conversation she had with Ruby, where Ruby was really like, you know, she's like, "Well, I know you want me to say I care." And Ruby's Mm -hmm. like, "I don't want you to say anything. Like, I want you to feel what I'm feeling." And Mm -hmm. it's like maybe she sort of tried, (laughs) like, because I guess she cares about Ruby, but then I don't know. Does she really? Right? Does she? Yeah. I don't know. Hey, there's a lot of that's the question. Questions that are not answered, and I'm okay with that. It's fine. Yeah, I think I think Christina is a pretty successful villain, though, because I think at the beginning I was kind of like, oh, it's just like a scary white lady, and she's not going to have a lot of. Uh, like, layers to her, but then Emily was like, oh, like, I feel like later she becomes more interesting, and she did become more interesting, and I think, like, that's the key to having, like, a successful villain is someone who seems to have, like, Mm -hmm. you know, mixed feelings or, like, a mysterious motivation that isn't just, you know, power, because I think a lot of, a lot of Christina's Christina is, like, the perfect, like, white woman character because she is sympathetic to a certain extent to the plight of black people because she's like, well, I get it. I'm a woman. Like, I'm not allowed to be in the same room either as these people. So, like, I can relate. And, like, her whole thing is I'm going to become a man so that I can, you know, be in on the conversation. But – you know, there's something really interesting about the fact, and and this was mentioned, I believe it was in the AV Club um, uh, recaps, where 
uh, the writer was talking about the fact that Christina gives Ruby this potion, but she gives Ruby the potion to become a white woman, and then she gives herself the potion to become a white man. Mm -hmm. So she still has the power. She's going to give herself that extra step, like that extra leg up, uh, no matter what. And I think that's, like, very telling of, like, what what white women are often willing to sacrifice, which is a little bit, but not enough, <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. Very good point. So I I really enjoyed her arc and was, like, really satisfied with the way that things played out with her. Um, Can we talk about Christina and Ruby, though? Yes, please. Because <laughs> I was, like, really rooting for them. <laughs> like, yes. I just I was like, you know what? I was like, you know what? I shipped this. Um, that sex scene, and y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, when, you know, they're having sex, and Ruby is the white woman, and she's the white man, and then, like, Ruby slowly starts to, like, shed off her white woman. Yeah, like, and she's, like, clawing the white woman off of her. I was like, <laughs> ooh, and then I was like, ooh, all right, all right. I was into it. I was really into it. Um, And I just, I don't know, like, I just really enjoyed that dynamic. It was, like, very interesting. I agree. Um, but I also was like, mm, this is never going to yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, but I yeah. mean, like, look, some of the best ships are the ones that just aren't going to work. The ones that will like, be going down. <laughs> yeah. Sinking That's into why the you ocean. will go down with it. <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah, I think also, like, the first sex scene between Ruby and William is, like, pretty hot, too, on the stairs yes. when they're, like... Yeah, I I definitely found that relationship to be hot and interesting. And, like, but my only complaint about that mm. sex scene was that I wanted Christina to also be shedding the man. Because then it'd be, like, yeah. extra. But it's oh, not. But, like, would she be able... Okay, I'm just gonna ask it. You can cut <laughs> this out. Would she be able to keep riding the dick? I think it well, just falls off with it the like skin. shed yeah. off. You know what I mean? Is like, the that dick might the... be a practical issue. Oh, man. Yeah, is the dick the first thing or the last thing to go? I don't know. And then, like, I get, you know, because, like, you don't want to, like, you don't want to, like, stop mid-penetration because you're shedding. You just switch. I don't switch know. to hand. I mean, you could. You could. Put a fist in saying, there. Like, if, but, like, once you got the rhythm going, you want to keep, you want to keep that... You know. Maybe they have like a toy on the bed, like ready for it's, the moment. It's the fifties you know? or sixties. Okay. Like no, they don't. <laughs> yeah, they don't. <laughs> they look. They had sex toys back then. It's just they like a broomstick toys. nearby. The broomstick. They just didn't have like AdamandEve.com. <laughs> <laughs> Who is not a sponsor of the show, so we cannot give you a discount. Googling. Code right now. 
Unfortunately. Listen to the wrong podcast. When for that. were dildos invented? I have any of I mean, they were invented. We read your ads at, for money. Uh, the first rubber dildos have been traced back to around 1850. They were nice. invented, I'll but it wasn't just like, let me pop online and order one, or let me pop out to the Listen, store. Well, they first started. Christina is they a rich first started lady. appearing in movies in the 1930s. Christina so is go. a rich lady who is definitely a lesbian. So I feel like she must <laughs> she had, have had access. Yeah. Um, yes. She specifically, like, decided to seduce Ruby sexually. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, she was um, prepared. unsurprisingly, the thing that's the most fascinating to me about the Ruby Christina William <laughs> uh, <laughs> romance is that, like, I think William is a pretty good analog for Christina. Like, they seem to be similar builds, I guess, comparatively, and they seem to look pretty similar. Yeah. At first I was like, are they siblings? Yeah. But then, because, like, at the beginning when he's like, oh, I'm a gentleman acquaintance of Miss Braithwaite, I was like, oh, but y'all y'all do look related. Yeah. <laughs> and that exactly. seems bad. Um but Ruby is, like, a very voluptuous, like, full-figured black woman, and she transforms into, I don't a little white lady. In my opinion, like, a kind of mousy little white lady. <laughs> and That hair. Her white lady hair is super bad. And it's interesting to me that, like, she has to come to, she's coming to terms with, like, having this other identity as a white woman, but also kind of, like, a smaller person mm-hmm. or, like, a very differently shaped person. There's just a lot of body stuff going on there. And her, like, shedding that skin, the literal skin, while she's, like, in this ecstatic moment. Yeah. Is really cool. Like it was a nice, oh, loved it. It was a nice moment for Ruby. Yeah, and I will once again shout out the AV Club recap of that episode, which is great. But um, Joelle Monique writes about uh, like Ruby as like a fat black yeah. woman and kind of like the representation of of fat black women throughout media and how this kind of uh, turns out on its head and. Especially, like, in that sex scene, but also in the first... Mm -hmm. Well, because this recap is just of the first episode um, where this happens. Um, And sort of, like, the first sex scene between her and William where it's, like, she is, like, like, experiencing pleasure Mm -hmm. and she's not, like, being presented as, like, a sex object in the way that she might have been otherwise. Right. Um, So, definitely. I mean, definitely, like, Ruby is desired, Yes. And she is, like, William slash Christina sees her as beautiful. You know, like, it is not, I mean, I'm not even, like, super well-versed on the representation of, like, fat black women specifically, but just off the top of my head, I'm like, well, I guess you could be a Monique type, you know, like, the loud friend right or you and could she be... talks about that in the recap yeah i mean like there's not a whole lot of uh nuanced representation right not that there's a whole lot of nuanced representation of like fat women in general right. but i feel like there was also um 
And we can talk about her body versus her sister Letty's body as well. Mm-hmm. Because I think we're also supposed to draw comparisons to Letty in that Letty not only is, a, like, Letty is skinny. Scary. <laughs> but um, also, um, there's colorism happening here, too, because Letty, Letty appears to be half white. She's, like, very light I believe skin. that accurate. Yeah, I believe the actress is half white. Maybe. Journey I'll have smollet. to look that up. Um, anyway, she's light skinned. Um, I don't like. I I was I kept expecting that to be explored more. Honestly, yeah. well, yeah, because like in the in the scene where Letty is Letty and Ruby are both introduced, like Letty Ruby is performing, and Letty's kind of like. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like, like, she comes up on stage and the crowd's going wild for, like, the sexy, like, I wanted to smack her off that stage. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> she is so selfish. My God. I just want to... I was Team Ruby just, all like, the way. tiny sidebar. I do not like and will never like plot lines where someone has sex and then is like, oh, I was a virgin the whole time. I hate it. Yeah, it was... <laughs> I hate it. was very... It. Like, I guess it's a little more... Like, it was the 50s, so I guess it's kind of, like, more common that a lot of the characters are haven't had sex sure, yet. Sure, that's fine. But, like... Yeah. You could have said something. You right. could have... I mean, it went by real fast. Did you see how fast? It was, like, three pumps. <laughs> yeah. I don't and think she, she was had like, time. She was like, oh, my period came. LOL, JK, I'm bleeding because it's my first time. Guess what? I didn't bleed the first time I had sex. And lots of Me women neither. don't. No. It's, I just... Well, in the movies, they always bleed yes. the first time. That's I just know. how it is. I just hate that kind of trope. I hate it. Yeah. It seems dumb. Also, I looked it up and Journey Smollett is half black and half Jewish. Okay. Hey. Um, so she is mixed race. Yes. She looks mixed race. Yeah. But the the whole point is she's light skinned and I would I would assume because like this has often been the case that you know like there are certain privileges that light skinned people in the 50s would get over darker skinned black people. I don't know though. I'm a white woman and I did not live in the 50s. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, assume. I think I think just like there's documented evidence that yeah. that light skinned women do have preferential treatment over dark skinned women and yeah. people in general. Um, but I don't yeah, know. I that wasn't. Thought, I thought that was something that was going to be explored a little yeah. bit more, especially because they're sisters. But. Yeah, me too. Um, and they um, have such a like tumultuous relationship yes. in general. So. Characters. We're still talking about them. There's so many. Let's talk about Gia. Well, okay, wait. I want to say I want to say this this other thing because it kind of ties in um, with the characters and Gia specifically. Um, where, and this is kind of like my final discussion point, so we can just kind of like mix all of this together. <laughs> um, I think, other than like um, the theme of generally the experience of being black in America, the biggest theme that stuck out to me watching this show was the idea of 
you know, how people are monsters. Mm -hmm. And not just the the idea of, like, racism was the real monster all along, but (laughs) on an individual level where each of these characters has these kind of monstrous moments, whether it's, like, literally physically monstrous, like, Gia and the demon spirit inside of her, or whether it's Tick doing horrible things, or... Um, Letty being a selfish a asshole, or, or D turning into a creepy, <laughs> a robot uh esque thing. I mean, and all, like you know, we also have Montrose and the way that he kind of sees himself as a monster because mm-hmm. of his queerness, but then uses and he became a monster to hide his queerness. Exactly, like beating Atticus to like sort of like beat himself yeah right so i i think that's something for us to keep in mind george is an angel about. though yeah sweet george, george. except for like he had to die i guess that's why he had to die question yeah. did george cheat on hippolyta with yes no <laughs> in my mind you think so i don't know i don't know oh. i mean he does still carry her picture in his wallet i don't think so i feel look maybe it was i before. really Let's talk about this real fast because I really needed a timeline, a diagram of how this relationship works because I was very confused. So we go back in time and George is with Dora and Montrose is just like the younger brother who's tagging along. And I'm like, at what point did we decide that Montrose was going to be the father of this child? And like, and why did George agree to this? Like what happened when, yeah, when did Hippolyta come into the picture? Yeah, and the only explanation is that at, at Montrose is like, we went through something and we became very close. <laughs> it's like, in what way? What is that? Did, did y'all have sex together? Like, I don't know what <laughs> Yeah, that that's means. what it seemed like. Okay, this is the the main reason I don't think that George cheated on Hippolyta is because Dee is so much younger than Atticus. Yeah, that's true. And that made me think that they got together much later. I mean, obviously, they could have just had a kid much later, but it seems to me like that's an indication, like, that the Atticus thing happened way before. Right. Like, somehow Montrose and Dora started dating instead, and then, but then George was still... Something freaky went on, though. Yeah, I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah, I don't understand. I thought maybe we were going to get some of that. Never happened. Yeah. I'm okay not knowing. I'm fine. Again, I'm fine. It's fine. It's just a question I have. Yeah. But anyway, Susan, you wanted to talk about Gia. I do too. Yes. Uh, Just that she's my favorite character. I love her. (laughs) Yeah, she's pretty great. She's great. Um, And I loved Um, her episode. Her episode was amazing. Yes. That was one episode where I actually did give a shit what was happening with Tick. Like, (laughs) for real. I think the other thing that's really interesting, too, about that episode, and we can talk about Gia, but I just want to really quickly say, like, because we're talking about monsters and people being monsters, I think one of the really cool things, not cool, maybe that's the wrong word, but it does kind of feel cool right now in this current political environment. One of the things that episode points out is, like, America is a monster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, we in America, like, hey, and it's Veterans Day while we're recording this, actually. And we in America, like, kind of think, like, oh, you know, like, 
our military, they go to other countries and they, they're like doing positive things or whatever. Not everybody, obviously, but like that's yeah. the general like narrative, right? Right. And it's like, no, like they do, like Americans do shitty things too. And America does shitty things to other countries. Yeah. And in you know? war, the amount of, of torture, the amount of rape, assault, these things that occur constantly during war. Yes. Like, I'm not, I'm sure it's still happening a lot, but especially, you know, back in the 50s and the 70s, yeah. like, the amount of, of horrible, horrible acts that individual soldiers committed against people in other countries and things that were excused under the guise of we're at war, mm-hmm. like, yes, to people who were not fighting the war, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. horrible. But yeah, let's talk about Gia. Um, yeah, I, really cool. well, I mean, uh, I mean, the thing that's really cool about her is she is technically a monster, right? She's yeah, like yeah. a nine-tailed fox. demon spirit thing. Yeah, but she's, she's a fox. She's let's, let's say good because foxes are cool. Yeah, like she is yeah. not a monster. Her mom was the monster. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. I don't know, it's just a nice twist, and this isn't the first time, like, a story, you know, the monster's not the real monster, people are the monster, yeah. it's not the first time right. there's been a story like that. Kind of like The Host, you know, that good. Stephanie Meyer book? <laughs> Stop. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it was, I, I liked that, though, it was like, redemption for the folkloric Korean demons. <laughs> yeah, well, and also the the idea that, like, even if you do have something about you that allows you to be a monster or something that could be an excuse to do horrible things like you have a choice you know and like the idea that she was basically like i'm not gonna do this anymore uh and was able to not do it anymore and to decide not to do it anymore. I, I do love, though, when she's in America and the guy's like, hey, what are you doing tonight? And she's like, do you want to have sex with me and die? Yeah, she said, would you be willing to die to fuck me? Oh, Which yeah. Is an amazing thing to say to a person who hits on you. And he was yes. just like, Because yeah, they're like, nope. what? <laughs> yeah. And that's, and, I should say that from now on. Yeah, just do it. It will scare them. Maybe. Yeah. If it doesn't, don't fuck them. <laughs> yeah. Um, sounds like they'll hurt My you. <laughs> only – I really wish that we had gotten a little bit more of her interacting with the other characters because, like, yeah. when she eventually comes back into the picture. Because uh, there's, like, that really sweet moment in I, – I think it's in the final episode where they're all in the car singing – yeah. Um, yeah. As they're driving. And it's so sweet. And, like, she is such a, like, I don't know, her energy during that scene is, like, so delightful. And I, it just made me wish that, because there are, like, a couple parts where she's, you know, in the end, she's there to help fight. You know, they kind of have, like, assembled their team of Avengers or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she's there, but, but she doesn't ever really get the same kind of, she doesn't get to, like, I wanted more between her and Letty. I wanted more yeah. of like her current relationship with Tick. I wanted to see. Well, her I got so mad with too. Like, she, so she she's take she's been calling Tick on the phone and she's been trying to warn him and she like she flies all the way to America. Right. Okay. She gets to the house. 
She's she's traveled all this way. She's sitting down waiting to talk to Tick, and Tick's just like, nope, bye. And I was like, that's it? Well, it's cause and then we don't hear sucks. from her for like a really Tick long time. Tick is such an idiot. Like, like my- for the longest time, I was like, is she coming back? Was that it? She just <laughs> flew all this way, and then he was like, nope. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, what is she doing right now? Is she just like hanging out somewhere? Chilling at her hotel. Tick sucks. I mean, Tick, Tick is, like, easily my least favorite character in the whole show. And he's, like, the main character. <laughs> and I just, yeah. it was really the G, it was the G.I. episode that turned him for me because I was like, oh, you just looked a, an innocent woman dead in the face and shot her and felt no remorse for it. I don't think cool. he felt no I mean, remorse for it. I think that's here's a the stretch. Thing. Um, here's the thing. He, we knew that that's what happened. Like, he was in the military, like, he was in the army. That's what they do. Yeah, like... They, they do shit like that. Like, wh- like it, he had also alluded to, it's, yes. he had alluded to that, that he had done something terrible, which you assume yes. is killing someone. Yeah. Right. Although I like really to, haunted. I wanted to think it was maybe in battle, and <laughs> not just, like, shooting a nurse. Right. But... Right. Well... Like, and clearly, you know, he is not the, I don't know what military terms are, but he's not the commander of that uh, situation or whatever. Like, there's someone above yeah. him. Yeah. They're like, you get over here, kill her. Like, you know, I, it's not okay. But it's not like he was like, la, it's la, la, not. walking down the street, I'm going to kill her. Like, <laughs> you know, it was, yeah. uh, like, and I think that he's clearly haunted by that in the scene with, like, what haunts people, like, his vision is of Gia, but she's, like, dressed in, you know, a army attire, and he's, like, fighting her. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly, like, he is thinking about the things that happened then and the things that he did. And he, you know, multiple times refers to, like, I am not a good person, I did bad things. Like, he feels remorse. It doesn't make it okay that he did that, but I do – my problem with Tick is that he's selfish as fuck, and my – like, the the best part was in – in the, like, Indiana Jones-style episode when they're, like, going through the water and Tick keeps not answering people's questions and Letty's finally, like, stop pretending that this is only happening to you. Like, literally, like, people have died. Like, we are all here. My house is fucking haunted. Like, stop <laughs> acting like you are, like, the the hero of this story. Because, like, he is the person that we start with and kind of the person who is going to be sacrificed. But also, he's not, he's not the main character. Like, I don't know if there is a main character, you know? Yeah. I mean, if we think about how this ends, like, okay, it starts with Atticus, but if we think about how this ends, and we use that as an indicator for who this story is about, like, it ends with D. Yeah. So. I do wish that we got more of D because I feel like D's episode, it ended up being her kind of becoming possessed, and then mm-hmm. us still not really getting enough of... Like Season her. two, Robo D and her pet. That's what I want. Yes, please. <laughs> I did love these these episodes, like those the the like demony things that were 
haunting so her. So scary. We're so yes, scary. So scary. When things move like they're dancing, like, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I d- cannot do the weird jerky dance movements. That scared me yeah. on its own. And that police officer was all like, we don't have to chase after her. She's already dead. And I was like, what do you mean? What are they going to do? Also, the way that her face got warped when mm. she was. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, th- the way that her lips got, like, pulled. Ooh. Scary. Yeah. Um. What other character? Mary, do you have more to say about Tick? I, cu- I was just saying because I cut Mary off to be like, he felt remorse. But I didn't uh-huh. let you finish what you were saying. <laughs> I don't think he felt enough remorse. <laughs> Probably not. Well, like, I okay. really know. I feel Let me like just he- devil's advocate because we were talking about Mondro- Montrose. Like, uh, he killed somebody not in war and didn't feel any remorse at all. Yeah, I don't like him either. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> I I'm just I saying that say was much worse. Montrose is probably my least favorite character. Although I think he's interesting. Yeah, but I, mean, I think I, he's the definitely he interesting of, things he has about a couple his storyline okay moments. Yeah. But he's like the worst person <laughs> out of all of these people. And yet, he's and pretty- yet, I still feel really bad for him. The worst person yeah. might be the guy, the department store guy, that. Oh well, yeah. Ruby he's takes awesome. care of. And yeah. are we not going to talk about that because that- we need to talk about the that Bodak Yellow moment. was playing while she did that with the shoe? And that was. Oh my god, great. I love that episode so much. It was it. truly a just like episode. a chef's kiss moment. Yeah, yeah, I was like, okay, Cardi B, we're about to do and this I, with the shoe. This is, this is maybe nasty and unfair of me, but anytime there's a rape scene where a man's getting raped, I'm just like, how does it feel, man? Yeah, I'm like, I'm not that mad, I'm never mad to watch a man being raped, because I'm like, how many times have I watched a woman be raped on It's screen? not, and I'm like, not, I can like, only think celebratory of two, or anything, two times, I'm just like, no. I can only think of two yeah. times where I've seen that on screen where a woman has done it to a man. Yeah. I've yeah. seen men rape men, but shocking that men rape people. Um, yeah. Like, girl with the dragon tattoo and this. I'm just saying, like, I don't, I don't think we need to, like, feel bad about this rape scene or anything. I think he, like, definitely deserved it. Well, yeah, he raped someone first. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. not that, like... You know, a rape for a rape. That's not what I'm trying to say, but uh, it's more an about eye for an eye, eye, a rape for a rape. <laughs> yeah, as soundtrack um, to rape. Just yeah, to and not to make light of of that at all, because obviously horrible, etc. Um, but I was like, you know, I I appreciated that she also turned into Ruby by the end of that scene, and she yes. was like, I wanted you to know that this is what the person who did this to you looks like. Um, and then she dropped the mic. I think the reason we left. don't need to feel bad about it is, yeah. so when when she is the white lady, whose name I cannot yes. remember. Hillary. Hillary. Davenport. That's right. <laughs> Hillary That's the name she the makes up hair. for her. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, Christina is saying to her, like, the, the thing about magic is that you get unmitigated power. So, like, what would you do with with truly, like, you could do anything you want? She does what white men do. Mm-hmm. Which is be rapey. Because, yeah, she went to a rapey guy mm-hmm. and did the rape. Mm-hmm. I do think it's interesting that, you know, she's given this power 
to be a white woman and walk in the world as a white woman. And all she wants to do is get a job at a department store. And, like, sit in the park and read <laughs> without being bothered. Yeah. Like, I think I think there's something – I think we can learn from that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, those are things that, like, as a white woman, you're just like, yeah, I could do that really easily. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's it's really interesting, too, like, how painful the transformation back is when the potion wears off for her. Because this is not something we see, like, with – Christina, for example, like, and her changing. Um, but with right. Ruby, it's like, literally, it sounds like her bones are coming out of her body, which is mm-hmm. a lot. And we often, like, yeah. watch the entire thing happen. Like, we see yeah. all the skin come off and it's real gross blood and sounds like it hurts. Into it. Into it. Yeah, I was, I really yes. enjoyed, like, the extreme gore of they mm-hmm. just did not shy away from just being mm-hmm. fully fucking disgusting with that and yeah. it was very um also like there's just that part of me that loves watching like things peel you know <laughs> <laughs> something weirdly satisfying i think there's something too about like this this woman whose body she's inhabiting like this woman was like a racist yeah and like, was not a good person, and it's kind of like, there's something satisfying about that body being torn apart to reveal yeah. mm-hmm. this, like, really awesome black woman's body. Yeah. Underneath it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. We keep going back to that. Like, I feel like we're talking about other things, and then they're like, when we're like, can we talk about Ruby some more? Yeah. yeah. So I just like I could talk about only Rudy and Gia the whole time, honestly. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. that's they all were, I care about. They were the best, and... Like, I love that episode. Like, those are my two favorite episodes, probably, are Ruby's episode and Gia's episode. We haven't talked about Hippolyta very much at all. I love Hippolyta. I love Hippolyta, too. I just, I love that she's shown as being so smart, and, like, she's smarter than all the men. She's smarter than George was. Like, she's just so smart and can figure Mm -hmm. stuff out easily and i i think that's awesome i love how like this story we're like following this like one adventure basically like we've talked about like it goes in different directions but it's basically like one arc meanwhile hippolytus had 300 years of adventures yeah just on the side Mm -hmm. while we weren't paying attention yeah i love when she shows up like in D's, when D is, like, you know, passed out or whatever, and all of a sudden, it's, like, is D sick? And Hippolyta, like, walks in with bright blue hair, and you're, like, yes. She's <laughs> I was worried that, that she would be, like, lost forever to time, so I was really glad when she returned. And yeah. also, like, just, it was so sweet when she had the comic made for D and and the arm, like, just that whole... Like, their their mother-daughter relationship is so sweet and pure. And, like, just Hippolyta also is kind of, like, the, you know, the person in the story who is kind of representing the misogyny angle of all of this. And the fact that, like, even within a marginalized community, there's still these different levels. And we talked about colorism, but there's also sexism. And there's also, you know, she... Even in the first episode is like, George, I want to go on a trip. I want to do 
part of my own thing. Like, I'm really good at writing these guide sections. Like, Mm -hmm. imagine how good it would be if I actually got to go on the trip. And he's like, "Mm, no. (laughs) And I will say in the book, she is already, like, tripping around. That's good. Good for her. Yeah. Good for book Hippolyta. Um, I feel like, you know, George has got it under control in the book. Yeah. You know, like, he stays alive. He lets Hippolyta do her thing. Yeah. But, but it's probably more realistic that he, he wouldn't be letting her do her thing because yeah. uh, even the nicest men in the 50s are probably a little bit sexist. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> so it was cool that that her episode was so focused on, like, the power of, of being a woman and fighting with the Amazon warriors and, like, all that stuff was was cool to see. And also, like, that episode was super strange and, like, but I li- I liked it. It was kind of, like, the m- maybe the most different out of all the episodes because it was, like, purely more sci-fi than horror, where the rest of mm-hmm. the show is more horror. Um, that was just, like, I'm in space, I have blue hair, there's an alien... <laughs> I'm time traveling, like I'm dancing uh, in France. <laughs> yeah, which was also really interesting, and like the conversations that um, she has with what is that dancer's name? Josephine Baker. Um, with Josephine Baker, and yeah, I just thought that was a really like fascinating side adventure. And oh, sorry that there's a it's just Josephine Baker side note. Um. Yes. In Gia's episode, there's, like, there's a moment when there's Korean singers singing in Spanish. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. That's a Jos- that That's Josephine Baker's song. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Interesting. Yeah. I learned this today from, like, trying to find the playlist, the official playlist <laughs> for the show. Yeah. Which there is one if you, if you cool. need it. Nice. Oh, yeah. I heard a song I wanted to put on my, like, fuck off Donald Trump playlist, and I was like, I gotta find this, so. <laughs> yeah, very good soundtrack, yeah. except for when it was Marilyn Manson, and I was like, are we doing this? Like, oh, I was this? into that. Um, I was like, that we're man yeah, is a fucking rapist and abuser. <laughs> like, can we not? Do we listen to Chris Brown? No. A no. lot of people do. All right. I saw Marilyn Manson, I, like, two yeah. years ago. Susan! <laughs> Sorry. He's a bad person. I must send well, you Evan Rachel Wood's speech later. Okay. You guys didn't know about that? Yeah, I knew about it. How he beat the shit out of Evan Rachel Wood and tortured her for several years I while they were married. Okay, no, I didn't well, know that. Didn't Otherwise, know. I would have led with that. <laughs> well, I'll delete all of this from the episode, but it's okay. Um, I mean, I don't. I mean, I still went to the concert two years I mean, ago. Either way, so. yeah, it's not like I'm listening to Marilyn Manson every day. Like, it's not going to ruin my life. I know. I, I was have just... been to a Marilyn Manson concert, but it was in 2000. It was on election night. I've also seen Marilyn Manson. <laughs> How? What? But How I was like, people? I was like 13. This is. I, it's this kind of two weird that that is 2000, the concert Kelly. that like the most of us probably have seen. Like, That's three so of the funny four of us. Me. In no in no universe would I have would I have picked Marilyn Manson as <laughs> I don't know. have to leave this in because this is an interesting factoid that three of the four of us have seen Marilyn Manson. I gotta tell you about a funny thing that happened though at, at that show. 
So we are going to talk about Marilyn Manson, I guess. Okay. Um, so while we're, we're waiting for the show to start, and it's at like a small venue, and it's like Halloween weekend, so like a lot of people are dressed up. It's an interesting vibe. And like, it's, t- it's, it's late. It's like past the time the show is supposed to start. And then like, you hear everything quiet down, and you think like he's about to come out, but what happens is that it just plays the audio from the Meow Mix commercials from like the 90s. Do you remember this? Meow, 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 meow. It just played that. And then it stopped, did nothing. And then it repeated it. And then it just kept repeating it. Like to the point where like, there's this theory that like, if you just repeat something enough times, it becomes hilarious. And like, that's what was happening. Like people were just starting like to lose their shit a little bit. Cause it was like, you think it was over and then it'd be back to the meow, meow, meow. I mean, that went on for like 15 minutes before he started. <laughs> and I just kept being like, what's there was happening? No like, this is the weirdest fucking thing. <laughs> And they didn't explain. That's very it. random. No, no, it was never referenced again. He just, then he just came out and played, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who who are interested in learning more, I we will include a link in the show notes to um, Evan Rachel Wood's testimony uh, before <laughs> the California Senate Public Safety Committee about the abuse that Marilyn Manson. Uh, I just want to again reiterate. I saw Marilyn Manson in two thousand. It was I'm election not, night. Listen, Bush Gore election night, y'all. That's how long ago it was. Listen, I'm sure if Susan knew about this, she wouldn't have gone to his concert. Um, I really had so no this idea. Is, <laughs> this is obviously. I I'm, I'm about to ask Justin not, if he knows because I'm. I feel like we would have talked about this at some point, but to be. To be fair to me, I was 13, and I, it was at Ozfest because I wanted to see corn. I'm not accusing you guys of anything. <laughs> that makes it all. worse, it's Mary. Worse, that actually I makes know. it worse. I don't know. I'm kind of into corn, that, but <laughs> no, no, I can't. I can't with the corn. No, it was a dark time for me. I can excuse Marilyn Manson, but I draw the line at corn. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It get, it's wor- there um, are worse things than court. But. <laughs> yeah. What else? Anything else, guys? Gosh, there's just so much. I could I talk know. about this show forever. I feel like we could do full episodes on every episode, and some people have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, we're sorry. Yeah. And I don't really think – I mean, I think we – we all enjoyed the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I feel weird doing TV show ratings because it just feels like weird. Yeah, <laughs> like it doesn't encompass. Uh, I don't know. It just feels different than rating a movie or a. I give this a hundred stars out of ten. <laughs> I'm not gonna give it a rating, but um, I'll just say I liked it. I yeah yeah I liked it. Uh. I definitely recommend that people check it out. And if you have, and if you have anything that you're wondering why we didn't talk about that, uh, please write us. Oh, can I do a little side wreck while we're talking about this real fast? Yes, of course. Okay. I don't know how to say her name. Wunmi Masaku? Ruby? The Ruby actress? Oh, yeah. 
Um, I haven't heard her name spoken, so. Okay, well, I'm just going to go with it then. So, um, Wunmi Masaku, who plays Ruby, is also in a brand new horror movie that just came out on Netflix called His House. Um, and I watched it the other day, and it's fucking awesome, and everybody should watch it. Okay. Cool. I heard about that from you. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, but the podcast listeners hadn't heard it yet. I know. So I'm, I'm just know. saying. I'm say- I was saying I heard about that, and then I realized that it was because you said something about it. So oh. she's like, I heard about that. I from heard my about it from Emily. a very reliable source. It was me. Yes. That that was a good movie. You guys should check it out. Cool. That's it. Just wanted to, as an aside, if you love Ruby and want to see that actress and more stuff, his house. Nice. Okay, now we got some listener feedback. Who wants to read the first uh, listener feedback for Haunting of Bly Manor from a very special person? I will read it. Okay. Ben, from next door to me, (laughs) Hattiesburg, (laughs) says the flashback episode of The Haunting of Bly Manor, to be clear, that's what he's talking about. He says the flashback episode felt very out of left field and ultimately had little thematic connection to the present day story besides family dysfunction. Am I missing something? It felt tacked on to explain the silent ghost, but I was pretty underwhelmed. I, I, I actually have something to say about this. Um, so like, okay, I understand. I agree that it did feel out of place and that it did seem like it was just there to explain sort of like what was happening ultimately but i kind of get it um like from a writer's perspective if you are basing this story on the turn of the screw and like henry james's work this is henry james's other big ghost story the romance of certain old clothes so like i get wanting to put it in there and i think that they adapted it in a really interesting way i actually recently taught the romance of certain old clothes along with the turn of the screw. And I played this episode for them like separately. And, you know, so like, I understand why they put it in there, but like, yes, I think it is just to explain. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I mean it, it, and I do agree that it kind of comes out of nowhere, but like as an episode, like I enjoyed watching it. It's not like I was like, I hate this episode. Um, but I definitely have seen other people say that they felt like it was kind of. I think a lot of it is the timing also because it, yeah. you yeah. get it right smack dab in like this middle of this climactic part where like at the end of the previous episode, the ghost had just grabbed our main character like by the neck. And yeah. as we have seen previously, like this is how she kills people. And then suddenly, like rather than resolving that, we get an entire episode of this flashback it's almost like if you got a brand new bachelorette and we're just getting into learning about the guys and getting into the dates and suddenly you got this really long interview with the bachelorette who just left right when you were getting to the good stuff Hmm. Hmm. it would be kind of like that so interesting not that that's happened recently yeah interesting hypothetical scenario yeah yeah if um, that were to happen, I could see how that would bother somebody. Yeah. But that's a fair a fair criticism. Thanks for yeah. writing in, Ben. 
Thanks, Ben. Uh, our next letter is from Jordan in Baltimore. Um, hey, it's Jordan from Baltimore again. First. Okay, Waffle House and Dairy Queen. I haven't had Dairy Queen since I went vegan, so that's been a while. I don't have much experience with Waffle House, but one season during Winter Guard, our hotel was right next to one, and I ate a lot of hash browns and toast, Mm -hmm. so that's all I have on that. I just watched both Hill House and Bly Manor. I loved them. Loved in all caps. The director slash writer actually graduated from Towson University, which is where I, quote, graduated from in May. No ceremony or anything, but wear masks or go home. (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. Hey, congrats. I thought the writing was beautiful in the shows. Like, the monologues were so poetic, but not in a head-ass kind of way. I felt entranced whenever they would go off. I would love to watch more of it. I agree. Um, my friend and I did our bachelorette draft and I got Dale, so hopefully that gets me lots of points. We actually did not know the big spoiler until after we picked, so we'll see how that works out. Currently our scores are 9 to 19 with me losing. On our point system, we get a point every time somebody on our team gets bleeped out. (laughs) She has Jason on her team and he would just not stop cursing, so that really helped her out. Um, I don't have HBO, so unless I can cop it from a friend, I might miss out on the episode we're doing right now lovecraft country but i do have survivor song ready to go um love the episode and i'll see you in the next one yay Yay. thank you for listening jordan hash browns and toast can't go wrong at waffle house you can always go wrong at waffle house um really appreciate also the many emojis in this email that i (laughs) did not describe but um they are noted and appreciated yes Thank you, Jordan. Um, And we really love having people write in, and we love that you have written to us several times in a row. You're our new um, number one fan, along with Darcy. Uh, Yeah. And we love that you weighed in on Waffle House slash Dairy Queen. Yes. Well, I believe Jordan was the one who asked us about breakfast. Breakfast. Right? Ah. Yes. Um, So, good to follow up on that. Yeah. What's on the blog? Well, look. Mostly just me. <laughs> it's Emily. With a little right. peppering of me joining you. <laughs> That's right. For one half of we your post. Seasoned recap. with Susan. <laughs> and best in small doses. We got Bachelorette recap. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's happening, um, which might be what I was talking about earlier. So that, that's happening. We got a new Bachelorette, Tasha. Yay! Good to go. We got a new bachelorette um, and a new president elect all in one week. It's a lot for America to handle, but it's, it's all really, good. It's mm-hmm. a lot. One of those things um, happened peacefully with one person <laughs> very willingly leaving down and leaving. And uh, it would have been nice if I could say that that was. Uh, the United States government where that happened and not the Bachelorette TV show. But yes. that's not Yeah. So far, anyway. the Bachelorette um, has handled both um, COVID and transfer of power better than the United <laughs> States government. So. It's very true. There's that. And that's why you should tune in. You might think it's dumb, yeah. but it's not as dumb as the real America right now. So Hey, Joe Biden, <laughs> if you're listening to this right now. Maybe you should watch The Bachelorette to get some ideas for how <laughs> yeah. to run the country. Just saying. Um, also, I don't know. There's Spooktober happened. I don't know if I talked about the final ones, but they're on there. 
Um, guess what? I decided we're doing 12 Days of Christmas movies again. Yay! I watched the first one today. You have to allow me to do the gay one with you, please. Yes, and Mary, are you going to do the princess switch one with me? Yeah. (laughs) Duh. Duh. Uh, Hello, I would like to do something. Is there a Jew movie? I'm just saying, like... (laughs) There must be a You know, I did a Jew movie last year, so I'm sure I can find another one. Okay, I want to play. (laughs) <laughs> okay, we'll we'll, fi- we'll find a new that that Jew movie I did last year. I don't know if you read my review, but it was something. Uh, no, I did. Okay, we can all do a post on our areas of expertise with Emily. Susan does Jews. I do lesbians. Mary does princess switches. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really a specific genre. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, YA book club. It's coming. I gotta finish that book. I need to. Yes. It's. You know. you know, it's COVID. We're on a different schedule right now. Yeah. Everything's up in the air. Mary, I think it's you coming. have a post coming up at some point. Yeah, I, I have a post coming up. I, what's it going to be about? I've, I don't know. Okay. Um, Rock on. Cool. What's up next, cool. Mary? Well, you see. <laughs> uh. It's going to be interesting. We are reading Docile by K.M. Sparza. I guess that's how you say it. I don't think that's how you say it. It's not. (laughs) It's not. um, I don't know how to say his name. That's fine. We will find out. We're going to figure it out before. (laughs) Um, But this is a book that's kind of science fiction-y, but not really. Uh, It's like in a world... Much like ours, you can sell your debt to someone and essentially go into indentured servitude to pay off your debt so your family doesn't have to pay it. And the novel follows a young man named Elisha who chooses to do that. And there's a lot of sex. (laughs) Yes. Um, It's interesting because it's like a dystopian novel, but it's also kind of a romance question it's like it seems to me like what if 50 shades of gray but more well written and a commentary on capitalism yeah kind of yes i would i would agree with that Um, but i'm excited to talk about it i'm enjoying it so far yeah i'm i'm like getting close to finish i'm i've been listening to the audiobook and i'm (laughs) i can only imagine what that is like oh yeah well it's read by two different um narrators so there's one for alex and one for elisha and it's it's fun i'm having a good time uh there's a lot of a lot of bad voices that Mm -hmm. is my constant complaint with audiobooks but overall they're doing a pretty good job of like really getting into character so (laughs) that's Mm. been fun to listen to how long Um, is the audiobook it's pretty it's like 15 hours but I've just been listening to it whenever I am, like, doing dishes or whatever, and I only have four hours left, so really doing a lot of dishes. have torn through it. Well, I'm always doing a lot of dishes. So. Okay, so our next other sode is already somehow the best of 2020. Good luck to us figuring out good <laughs> things that happened this year. I'm just going to put Joe Biden. <laughs> um... 
this will be fun. But every year, this will be what? Our th- the third time, ta- fourth, yeah. third time doing this? Fourth? I don't even know. 2020 yeah, has been like five years. Too? Fourth. Fourth time doing this. We gotta this. do Christmas presents. Yeah, we do. Um, like we gotta pick our oh, our Santas, um, or our non-denominational holiday gift giver <laughs> secret. Uh, anyway, secret we always menorahs. do this. We pick our we each pick our top three things of 2020, whether it's an album, a movie, a TV show, but it can't be something that we discussed on the podcast mm-hmm. at length. So. Um, look forward to that. And we'll also be exchanging gifties, um, which we should, we got to get on that because, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, that's coming. That will be on December 14th and the docile episode will be November 30th. So coming up, um, if you have any comments, questions about anything we've ever talked about, but especially Lovecraft Country, you can email us at the squad at booksquadgoals.com. Uh, you can find our website at booksbygoals.com, which is where you will find our blog. There's also a, a submit forum, for, forum form on our website where you can write to us. You can find us on social media at Goals on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, and we would really love it if you would subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice. And if you would leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That would be amazing. Congrats to our contest winner, Yay. Caitlin. Uh, we really appreciated you entering and all of you who wrote us really, really kind um, messages on iTunes of support and love. Uh, we are so happy to have all of you as listeners and we can't wait to hear from you more. So please write to us. Uh, He's purring. He's purring. Please remember that even though Joe Biden has won the presidency, um, COVID is not over, nor is racism. Uh, (laughs) So keep paying attention to stuff and keep doing the work required to, you know, become a better person. And please stay inside and, you know, wear a mask and all of the things. if you are in Georgia, do not forget about these runoff... Elections. Yeah, for mm-hmm. real. Seriously, we need the Senate. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>